Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 46, featuring the top five Enterprise underrated. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse, and I am the host of the Trek Ranks podcast. And tonight, we are continuing our underrated series. We're doing our top five Enterprise underrated. So way back in episode 26, we did our TOS underrated. And for this topic, we're not just doing like top five underrated episodes, which is kind of our normal thing. So instead we break it down with a little more detail than that, but we'll get into all that in, in a few minutes here when we get into our diagnostic cycle, we'll have specific topics for, for each round. So first up, let's introduce our guests for this week's show. We've got Dana Kennedy coming to us from the UK sector, and I believe this is her first ever podcast appearance, so we're honored to get her on Trek Ranks. Welcome, Dana. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, great to have you on the show. And our second guest is one of our regulars here on Trek Ranks, Mr. Alex Perry, who's been on just a few times before with shows like Top 5 Scenes in a Turbo Lift and Romulan Episodes and Series Premieres, Too Many to List. Alex, welcome back. Hey, Jim. Thank you for having me, as always. All right. We are fired up. This is going to be a great show. we got three huge Enterprise fans so, Dana, for our first-time guest, we usually like to get a Trek origin story really quick. Okay. So what's your Trek backstory, and, and how did you how did you get into uh, into Trek? So, it's all thanks to my mom. Uh, when I was about eight years old, she forced me to watch an episode of Star Trek. I was probably annoying her, and she wanted me to be quiet for about 45 minutes. So, that episode was Operation Annihilate, and wow. I became obsessed so I was throwing like any flat surface around the house, pretending to be uh, brain cells attacking people. Um, so it was in, I think, 1997. So um, obviously we didn't have Netflix, we didn't have DVD box sets. So I would run home from school every day just to watch the next episode of Star Trek. And I watched the entire original series, one episode a day. And then I discovered there was more Star Trek in the world. <laughs> and I became obsessed with Next Generation to the point where I had data on my wall. And my parents were probably like, what have we gotten ourselves into? So, that is awesome. Yep. So I had just been obsessed ever since. And I, I discovered um, Voyager was still airing at the time. So that was the first uh, Trek that I got to watch new episodes every week. And Enterprise was the first Star Trek that I got to watch the premiere. So I'm, I'm just very excited about Star Trek in general for about 20 years. That is so cool. So you, so you've seen it all then at this point. Yes, yes. And, and so you watched TOS first before you even realized there was. Next yeah. Episode. That's great. That is great. I know. That, that's like I can't even imagine that. <laughs> I think I just loved the uh, the campiness and it, and it's a good good show. It's got good stories. It's got good characters, and I was just drawn into it. So one question then: When your so your mom when she. Did, did she watch Star Trek or did she just like... I think she did. I think she did in the 60s when it was airing oh. and she it was on TV and she was probably like, oh, I like that. You should watch it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, that episode is an amazing one to start with. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. By the way, 
Dana is in England and from Canada, and Alex is in the United States and from England. So just for everyone be getting confused at home. <laughs> All right, let's uh, jump into our quick Trek Ranks recalibration. First up, as regular listeners will know by now, general order number one here at the Trek Ranks podcast is that we love Trek. We love to rank Trek via some deep dive topics just to get the conversation started. And as our good friend, the Vulcan Master, likes to remind us each week, the main driver for all of our discussion here at the Trek Ranks podcast is... Infinite diversity. In infinite combinations. No wrong answers. It's not about being right or definitive in any way. It's about sharing the things that we love about Star Trek. So we love all Trek here from TOS to TNG, straight through to Enterprise and the Kelvin timeline and now Discovery as well. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks podcast. Okay, before we jump into our level one diagnostic, let's quickly power up the Argus array so everyone knows exactly how they can hail us. Hailing frequencies are open. For Trek Ranks, as you might expect, you can reach us on the World Wide Web at trekranks.com, and you can contact me directly on Twitter at trekranks or directly at Enterprise Extra. And you can also call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP. That's 609-512-5527. And for those of you enjoying all of our shows here on the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network, you can support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash the tricorder transmissions. All right, to wrap it up, Dana and Alex, why don't you guys let everybody know how they can get a hold of you? Dana? All right, so I'm on Twitter and Tumblr at uh, Static Warp Bubble on both of those. Love it. Great Twitter follow, everyone. And Alex, how about you? Best way to get a hold of me is on Twitter, and I'm at, at Alexander T. Perry. We love Star Trek Twitter, it's the best. I'm getting something on another frequency, but it's not Starfleet. And that's because a lot of my audio on this week's transmission was recorded in a hotel with some very thin walls. So I just want to let everyone know that, yes, that could be Blondie or maybe Janet Jackson in the background whenever I'm speaking. Yeah, I think my neighbors were, they were basically having a party. So it's not too bad, and I cleaned it up a bit, but just wanted to give everyone a heads up. All right, back to the show. Let's get ready to activate our level one diagnostic cycle and get into today's show. Diagnostic cycle will be complete in 20 seconds. So this week's diagnostic cycle is going to be pretty critical in terms of how we make our picks. We're going to, I mentioned earlier that we're going to not just have five uh, random episodes, but we're going to highlight five specific topics in our top five enterprise underrated. So first up in round five, we're each gonna pick an underrated production design element. So that can be anything like your favorite ship or a prop or a costume, musical score, visual effect, anything that you wanna throw out there. In round four, we're gonna choose our enterprise underrated performer or actor. So this topic is all about a performance on screen that you think is unheralded and should be remembered more prominently something that maybe is a little overlooked. Round three is the Dabo round, which we always do when we do this kind of topic. It's a complete wild card round, so you can pick anything you want to highlight as, uh, as underrated in, in Enterprise. I mean, episode, writer, any, anything you want. 
Round two is all about your pick as an underrated character. You can pick that, again, whoever you want. Favorite narrative, just the most interesting character, however you see that. But we'll, we'll talk about a specific character. They could be prominent or, uh, or a one-time appearance, anything. And round one is clear. That's what we do on Trek Ranks. It's what's your most underrated Enterprise episode ever. All right, and then our secondary systems, we'll get a few more outlying picks if anyone has any. So, Dana and Alex, all that made sense? You guys are, you guys are ready to roll? Mm-hmm. Fired up. All right, let's do this. Let's get into our prime directives. I do not concur with your captain's decision. She's following our prime directive. Define prime directive. All right, now that we have that breakdown on exactly how our picks are going to be targeted, I'm wondering how you guys approached kind of how you narrowed down your picks. So, Dana, anything, anything special on how you uh, made, made your selections? Well, I tried for at least the character ones to pick people who weren't in the uh, opening credits, so guest stars and uh, just people who weren't in every episode, because I think those people are underappreciated for sure. I love that. That's a great way to look at it. And I for sure did that with my, with my TOS. How about you, Alex? I uh, actually found this pretty easy because I think the entirety of Enterprise is uh, very underrated and that even the most popular parts of the show are actually not given the, uh, the due that they deserve. And so I both went for kind of some outside-of-the-box picks, but I also went for just some very mainstream ideas that, because it's this show specifically, uh, I really wanted to highlight because there are some performances and there are some episodes that, um, and there are some production design elements that are great, but aren't given the, the, uh, the kudos that they deserve. This is great. So you're basically you're saying the whole show is underrated so meh i can pick anything i want and i love that (laughs) yeah because it's tough with like a tng where you know so many of those episodes and characters are kind of heralded as or ds9 um where they're heralded as sort of the best that the franchise has to offer but enterprise never gets that respect even though it does have some of the best episodes and some of the best characters that the franchise has to offer so everything is underrated which means that everything is fair game yeah, that's great. Yeah, my prime directive was basically I just kind of brainstorm with the goal to shine out a little light on some of the under-celebrated moments or, or characters or episodes. And I didn't uh, narrow, I did kind of keep it open to regular cast too. And just thought about the ones that, that like you were saying, Alex, they just don't get, just don't get the, the credit they deserve because they're on a show that's generally underrated. All right, I think we're ready to jump into a standard orbit and get into the order of things. I am a Jem'Hadar. He is a Vorta. It is the order of things. Just a quick reminder on how we're going to go through the order of things. First, each of us will reveal our five-word summary and a hashtag for our selections. And then after that, we'll reveal our pick of our underrated topics. And then we'll each comment about it. And at the end, we'll ask for a few secondary system selections for the picks that maybe just missed our list. And if we end up having any duplicates, make sure you listen for the Defiant Torpedoes. And just a reminder for everyone, 
underrated is totally in the eye of the beholder. We, we totally get that. So there's definitely no wrong answers today. And we're for sure going to have some picks where someone says, what? That's not underrated. That's my favorite thing ever in Enterprise. And the reverse will probably be true as well. So, so it's just a, again, just a fun conversation, a fun way to have a conversation about Enterprise. So, Dana, let's start with you for round five. We're doing our Enterprise Underrated Production Design Element. So what's your, what's your pick? All right. So my summary here is it makes me feel feelings and hashtag your ears will be assimilated. So I chose the score in regeneration. Ooh, I love that specific. I am. Um, I'm in the middle of rewatching Enterprise, and a couple of weeks ago, I got to this episode, and I just it stood out to me. For whatever reason, the first ten times I've seen it, I just never really noticed it. But this time, I was like, "Oh wow, that is that is some good music." It really it enhanced it, and like it that episode itself, I think, is fantastic, and they made the Borg really scary again. But combined with the music, it's just really chilling. I mean, that's such a great episode anyway. One of those classic episodes that got kind of criticized right away before people kind of got a feel for it. And I think now it's mm-hmm. one of their favorites or, or at least uh, something they love. And I do remember that score. It's fantastic. A- Alex, what's your take on that? The whole score for uh, the entire show is is very underrated. Um, I think, you know, by the time we got to Enterprise, there was this sort of assumption that all of the music you know this kind of sonic wallpaper garbage that people have been throwing around for years around you know rick berman having had this kind of edict that said that the music for star trek couldn't be new or interesting significant number of really great episode scores of which Regeneration is is right up there near the top. Uh, you know, and they had new composers come in, like Delton Ray Bunch, who I almost put as my underrated productive design yep. uh, element, but I ended up uh, picking something else because I was pretty sure someone else was going to pick the music and it would give me my opportunity to soapbox about it. Um, uh, but I love the music for Enterprise. I think it really is truly one of the most underrated elements uh, of this show. I completely agree. Did uh, Dan, did you, do you know who composed it? I'm- no, it's it's uh, Brian Tyler. Oh, Brian Tyler. Okay. Yes. And he did another episode um, in Enterprise, but I can't remember the name of it. Katamar. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, because he didn't do very many. No, he did too. And the music in that one is fantastic. Oh, as well. I was just about to say yeah. Katamar is really. That's, uh, that's yeah. a happy episode too. I love it. That is an awesome deep cut pick. For a second, I thought you were going to go with Faith of the Heart. So, <laughs> You know, I was thinking about it, but I thought that might be too obvious. We'll, we'll, definitely, we'll definitely get that from... Uh, I did not have strength of the soul there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, what's your uh, round five pick? Okay, so my, my five-word summary, four species create one race, hashtag cool idea, well executed. My pick for underrated design, production design element is the Zindi design and makeup. 
And this is one of those ones where it kind of aligned with my prime directive. Um, in, you know, of the races that come up in Enterprise, I would say Vizindi are probably one of the more popular. But when you think about it in regards to the entire franchise, I don't think they get the the, uh, the credit that they deserve. Um, it's such a cool idea having having five different species make up one race. The idea behind it was really cool. The execution was really well done. I think these Zindi are top five Star Trek races of all time. And I encourage anybody to fight me on Twitter over that if they so choose. Yeah, I love this pick. It was in my secondary systems for sure. The Zindi are amazing. The whole story, the whole storyline, the whole season three arc where they, uh, they went so big in scope and yeah, they really hit a home run with the, with the Zindi concept, just the top to bottom, which you said, design and, and makeup. I love the Zindi and this fits your prime directive perfectly because I don't think it might be, I guess it depends who you're talking to, but generally speaking, it's, it's, it's a big element of enterprise. So some people might say it's not underrated, but it's definitely underrated in the scope of Star Trek. <laughs> no doubt about it. Dana, what's your take on the Zindi? This was almost my pick as well. So I definitely agree. It's just in Star Trek, you always have one uh, alien from the planet and they're all kind of the same. You have the Vulcans, the Romulans, the Klingons, and they're all more or less the same. But the Zindi, it's just so vastly different. And it, I don't think, I think that's the first time I really stood back and was like, oh, right, yeah there could be more than one different type of alien on a planet. And I think they did it really, really well. Yeah, for sure. All right. So since so, so this Trek ranks, what's everybody's favorite Zindi species? Alex, go. Uh, arboreal. Oh, I was going to pick Arboreal because I didn't think anyone else would. <laughs> I really love the shipment. Uh, the, I was going to say Greylick's my boy. I love Greylick. Yeah. That, that's a great episode, yeah. And the actor who portrayed him, who was also uh, did a couple of Klingons in, he was the Klingon in the TNG episode, The Chase. Um, it's just a really fabulous actor. And it's the, first, it's the first episode where you really start to switch on the Zindi from just seeing them as, um, uh, as this big villain um, uh, to actually seeing that they have their own depth and you know, different perspectives amongst the five different races and that actually some of these guys, you know, that not everyone is a, is a twirly moustache villain. Um, and that sort of then begins to kind of break down the whole season and turn a lot of these ideas on their head and, and, and sets up what started off as a pretty bleak story arc, having a really extremely kind of Star Trek ending to it. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. But wait, so... I did not know that. That actor is the guy who played the the Klingon who uh, challenged Data. Yes, that's the, right. To the to the arm wrestling contest, it's the same guy. Huh. Oh, that's that's fantastic. That is uh, that's the kind of in depth uh, detail you get on Trek ranks. Uh, Dana, what's your favorite uh, Zindi? I've always liked the reptilians because they have the weirdest uniforms. Yes, they they are. It's very uh, extra. And, and they're and they're menacing. And Scott McDonald was so good yes oh he's always great yep i am tosk all right so my round five pick for the underrated production design element my five words and a hashtag akira knockoff my ass hashtag perfect precursor to the 1701 and it's the nx01 herself inside and out 
I love this ship. I love the design and nothing drives me more crazy than the fans who kind of rip on the design because they think it's too advanced for the era or they think it's an Akira class knockoff. It doesn't make any sense. And I don't want to give too much credence to that, that topic, but it makes perfect sense. The Akira class was an awesome ship design in the 24th century. This is an awesome ship design for the 22nd century. And I, I love the way the, I just think this ship is the perfect launch into what, what we see with, with the, the original TOS Enterprise. So, and that's both inside and out because the, the, the ship's obviously designed by, by Doug Drexler, who's, who's brilliant. And the set design by Herman Zimmerman is brilliant as well on the, uh, with the submarine and the, the cramped feeling of it. I, I love everything about this ship. It's definitely one of my top five, and someday we will do top five uh, ship designs. And uh, spoiler alert, this is probably going to be on my list. <laughs> so, Alex, what's your take on the NX-01? Love the NX-01. Love this pick. It's, uh, it's, it's exactly the kind of thing that I was looking for with some of these picks, which is something that really is genuinely very good and just doesn't get the credit that it deserves. And this is 100% up there. I feel like it's the kind of thing that um, has had a bit of a, a, a renaissance recently. Um, I think lots of people have kind of finally gotten over there. Akira Prize um, reticence that they had for many years and have finally embraced the design as being one of just the coolest uh, in all of Star Trek. And um, But it's we're still not fully there yet. I mean, this is definitely one of the top five, if not top three, uh, ship designs in all of Trek. And you're right, it's not just the, the outside, it's the inside as well. Um, I personally think they really do have that kind of nice lineage between Enterprise and TOS, obviously recognizing that technology had advanced significantly over the you know 30 years between one and the other. Uh, and you really start to see that in season four where they start to bring in you know some of the bright colors that really makes a huge difference in kind of helping to bridge the gap between one and the other. So fabulous pick. Love it. Uh, Dan, how about you? I, I love it too. It's I think it's a really good pre-TOS uh, ship. It's a good kind of stripped back version of a starship. And TOS ship wasn't uh, very indulgent in terms of comforts. And um, But I think the NX-01 kind of took that a bit further. And it's a place of work, not a place of comfort. And I really, really liked that it was kind of bare and the, the scaffolding and, and it was very gray. And it, I think it was really well done. Yeah, really well said. And I've always <laughs> never understood people who said they thought it looked more advanced. I'm just like, yeah, I never got that. I mean, there's a bunch of jelly bean buttons on the on TOS. You have no idea what they do. That's way more advanced. <laughs> it's just I never never understood. Yeah, I, I even have the NX01 on my phone as my phone case. So that's how much I like it. Oh, fantastic. All right, let's jump into round four. Dana, what's your uh, round four pick for underrated enterprise performer or actor? All right, so my summary is this Vulcan shakes your hand. Hashtag live long and stay classy. And my pick was Fanula Flanagan as Valar in Fallen Hero. Oh, that's a deep cut. Fantastic. So I, I think... For me, what really uh, made it my choice was uh, right when we first meet her, her handshake is just very Vulcan. 
but also very authoritative. It's kind of awkward, but she's like, I'm, I'm going to shake your hand and you're going to do it. And I just, I love it. She was, she was very, she held that episode together very, very well. She stole the show there. Captain Archer. Ambassador, on behalf of my crew, I'd like to welcome you aboard Enterprise. Thank you. May I take that? That's very thoughtful, Captain. This is Commander Charles Tucker, my chief engineer. Pleased to meet you. The pleasure is mine, Commander. And this is my science officer, Subcommander Tapal. Tanar. Paxarat Irani. Tanajaral. But please, I've been anticipating the opportunity to practice my English. Yeah, she is great. And she's got such a She's just a great actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been in, obviously she's been in DS9. She was in TNG as Data's mother, quote unquote. And mm-hmm. obviously she had a huge role in Lost as well. Yes. <laughs> I can never say her first name. How do you say it? Fanula. So I, I Googled uh, uh, some interviews with her and that, that seems to be the consensus. So I'm really, really sorry if I got it wrong. No, I've never known that. And I'm going with so Fanula Flanagan. She is a spectacular actress. I love this huge deep cut pick. And that is an episode. That's one of those ones that I have grown to love. Oh, maybe we'll do enterprise grown to love episodes in the future. But early on, I, I was kind of one that I just kind of, I, I dismissed it. And then so many other people have loved it. I've, I've kind of gone back to it, discovered why, why they like that so much. Alex, what's your take on Fanula Flanagan? Oh, I love this pick. This is actually one of my favorite episodes of season one for uh, reasons that uh, I will discuss later. But the performance is fabulous. Uh, It's the first time you kind of see more of the sort of warmer Vulcans that we had come to know, uh, as opposed to the more sort of standoffish Vulcans that we saw early in the first season. And so it's a nice brush of fresh fresh air that sort of indicated that. Uh, there was sort of a, a a purpose behind where things were going uh, with the Balkans. Um, uh, but just a tremendous pick, tremendous actress, and just a really nice performance. Um, and I love it. I just looked up on Trek Ranks. I have it ranked as number 88. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Why would anybody even look at Trek Ranks? What a joke. <laughs> <laughs> no wrong answers, Jim. <laughs> no wrong answers. Fantastic pick, Dana. Thank you. That is yeah. Two great deep cut picks so far. Alex, how about you? What's your um, underrated enterprise performer or actor? All right, I'm going right for the top. My five-word summary. Performance deepens as series progresses. Hashtag the first captain. My pick for underrated performer is Scott Bakula. Wow, that's nice. huge. Mostly because if you were to list the, you know, if, if anyone were to do a list of the top five captains... I guess top six or seven now, depending on how you consider Discovery's uh, inclusion, or I guess top five series leads. Um, uh, I think he would probably fall at the bottom of most people's lists. And I'm not necessarily saying that that's the wrong position to be in, given the company that he's in, but I think it indicates that the performance itself is really underrated. Um, Because I don't think he gets the credit for kind of uh, for helping us. I mean, he's the first Starship captain. And so what, what Bakula's performance does is it kind of leads us through those phases of sort of wide-eyed and naive 
through, you know, going hard the other way in season three and being very jaded and very kind of aggressive to by the time you reach season four, kind of having more of that kind of star starfleet level confidence that we've come to expect that we at that point had come to expect from a star trek captain and so you know the the performance shouldn't have started with archer being the same as picard and bringing all of that you know sort of gravitas etc to the role it, it it needed to start in more of kind of a, a tentative uh place in which you know he was just kind of going out there and, and starting to make mistakes and i think people attribute that to Bacula not having a good handle on the character, but I totally dispute that. I think he had a really good handle on the character, and I think he was showing us exactly what we needed to see in that situation. Um, and that, to the extent people say, "Well, he's not as good as Picard," or "He's not as good as Kirk," you know that 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 was an intentional choice um, because that's what the uh, that's what the performance demanded. Um, so I 100% think that, that Bacula does not get nearly enough credit as he deserves for his performance as Archer in Enterprise. Totally agree. It's, it's <laughs> extremely underrated. I love right now that the dichotomy in your guys' picks where <laughs> that super deep cut and now you're looking at it as Trek underrated. This is fantastic because it, it widens the scope on this topic. And Scott Bacula is for sure underrated in his portrayal of, of yeah. Archer. I was no, his, uh, his character arc, I think, is the best of Enterprise because he went from kind of optimistic, excited about space, and all he wanted to do was make friends with aliens. And then in season three, he just became so jaded and desperate. And I think the, the standout episode to me is the one where they um, steal the warp coil from Casey Biggs, who I can't remember his character's name, yep. but he was just like, I, I need to cross this line. I'm not okay with it, but I have to. And I think that's kind of when, uh, to me, he sort of, uh, Scott Bakula really, I think, stepped it up there. Yeah. And you know, for me, season four, I can always feel like that decision was always with him. Like it, mm-hmm. it changed him. It changed him for sure. And I think you're right, Alex. He, he had a handle on it from day one and his every kind of misstep or anytime someone thought he was out of character for a captain, I think it was all really well uh, calculated on his part. So awesome pick for my round four pick. This one was a surprise for me. I'm going to, I'm going to rattle off a a lot of the great performances that are, that are underrated. And when we get to secondary systems, but when I really thought about a performance that I thought raised the quality of the product for the whole episode, I I just couldn't move past this pick. So my five words and a hashtag perfect fit for botany Bay hashtag. This augment leader is unhinged and it is Alec Newman as Malik in the three episode uh, Borderland Cold Station 12 augment arc from season four of Enterprise. And I just, I just love this performance. I just thought every time it was on screen, I just felt like he was super unhinged, like I said in my, my hashtag, and just menacing. And he just felt dangerous every time he was on screen. And he knifed and killed his brother and his girlfriend in cold blood in these three episodes. And when he did it, I never felt like it was predictable or you could see it coming or cartoonish. It was just uh, kind of scary. So, and, and his power struggle with, uh, with Brent Spiner is uh, Eric soon was also 
really always on the edge. Again, I keep saying unhinged, but that, that's how I felt. I just felt like he was completely unsteady to, in, in every every decision he was making as a as an augment, uh, kind of out of control. So I love this performance. Alec Newman is a guy who's played. Uh, He's probably most well-known in the U.S. for playing Paul Atreides in, uh, in the Dune miniseries on the Sci-Fi Channel in the early 2000s. But he's still acting, and he's mostly on British TV shows. So I haven't really seen him in much outside of uh, those two things. But I love this actor. Dana, what's your, what's your take on Malik? Yeah, that's, that's a pick that I actually probably would have picked if I remembered um, when I went through the episodes. But uh, I thought he was, he was great. He was... A bit over the top, but in a good way. Very unhinged, like you said, and, and tense. It was it was a very tense three-parter. Or was, was it a two-parter or three-parter? No, it was three parts, yeah. Three-parter, yeah. It was just three episodes. And I think he really kind of brought that tension and, and that uneasiness in it. It was great. Yeah, intense is, a, is another good word. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, Alex, how about you on Alec Newman? Oh, I think this is a great pick. Um a lot, a lot of the performances in those three episodes are very underrated because Brent Spiner's in the three episodes. So everybody yeah. immediately just goes to the fact that, that he's there, but there are so many characters and they all turn in really great performances. Um, I thought the, uh, I forget the name of the character who played his girlfriend was really good. Person. Uh, he was really good. Um, uh, Doctor, the character, the guy who played Dr. Lucas in Cold Station 12 was really good but all just kind of overshadowed by the fact that Brent Spiner was back at Star Trek playing a, a, a predecessor to, um, uh, to Noonien Sung. So I thought that this is a fabulous pick. And you're right, in terms of the kind of, you know, unhinged intensity that you would want from a Khan-like character, especially one who didn't have the sort of education and the training that, that Khan had and sort of showing more of what was kind of bubbling beneath the surface in Ricardo Montalban's performance of that sort of, you know, just entirely out of control sort of arrogance and aggressiveness. Um, uh, yeah, I think this is a really, uh, this is a really good pick um, and a really great performance. Yeah. He, he, that's why I put in my five words. He would have fit right in on the botany bay. So, all right, let's move to round three. It's the Daba round this week. Our wild card picks. So, Dana, what, what do you got for round three? All right, so I went very, very general here, and I, I established this one was the choice I had to go with. So my summary, will they ever get to Ryza? Hashtag first is not worst. And I chose all of season one as a whole. Love it. Yes. So they forget the Ryza. Great. Yes. There's like a six episode stretch where they're like, let's yeah. go to Ryza. And oh, no, nah, we got this to do. So, but to me, I think the first season is the best first season in all of Star Trek. Um, that's debatable now with Discovery, at least for me, because um, I think Discovery had a great first season too. But the pilot episode, especially, you get a great introduction to the premise, to the characters, and within just the first, I'd say, 10 episodes, you really get that look at every single character and like how she has her kind of claustrophobia with space and Malcolm really likes pineapples and <laughs> Trip is just like a stand-up guy and you really get a sense for everybody. And there's some really great episodes in there that I think get overlooked a lot of the time just because 
people were resistant to a new Star Trek. And oh, and there's Dean Stockwell in an episode for Quantum Leap throwback, which I loved. Yeah, there there's so many great setup episodes in this where they really do. I know the first season gets criticized because I think people, well, at least people who are kind of into it, when they hear that the original concept might have been they spend the first year on Earth, you know, trying to get the get the program launched instead of just uh, launching it right away. Broken Bow, but there are so many good exploration episodes. Even the first, I think, uh, Fight or Flight is super yeah. And Strange New World, I'm not, I'm usually not a big fan of like the psychotropic um, takeover or, or when people kind of lose their senses, but that episode works so well. And especially when they're on the planet for the first time and hmm. where no dog has gone before, it's just that you just get that <laughs> feeling of exploration i i love this pick fantastic alex what's your take broken bow andorian incident breaking the ice cold front silent enemy dear doctor shadows of pajem shuffle pod one detained box solar fallen hero desert crossing shockwave part one i don't need to say any more than that <laughs> yeah it's that's spectacular there will be some more season one episodes mentioned on this episode trek ranks for sure so, Alex, let's jump into your double round pick. Okay, my uh, double round pick, a uh, five-word summary. Mean Vulcans get satisfying explanation. Hashtag thanks to the fan who fired the phasers. <laughs> my pick for Davo uh, round is the Vulcan story arc, which really kicks off all the way in Broken Bow and runs through halfway through the fourth season with the, with the Vulcan trilogy that culminates in Kishara. And, and, and I think when... You know, it, it got a lot of the same uh, criticism that the, that the Discovery Season 1 story arc did, which is that folks saw a couple of episodes and they saw a character acting um, uh, out of character for what they would have expected. And they said, you know, oh, well, well you just don't get the characters then. Um, uh, when actually, un- going through the entire course of the show was this very deep look at the Vulcans and, and, and who they were and gave them a real arc to the series from basically them being, you know, really quite standoffish dicks in the first season through to um, uh, sort of there being a, a bit of a cultural reformation that kind of gets us more towards these sort of nicer Vulcans that we know. But I think the other thing that, that, that the Vulcan story arc did was that it really kind of examined... Uh, this sort of tension that there'd been throughout the entire franchise, which is that we'd always seen two types of Vulcan. There was the Spock Vulcan who, you know, could be a little cold at times, but who could also have this propensity for really deep warmth. But then we would also see a Vulcan character like um, uh, like Soval, the, the Vulcan captain, and take me out to the Holosuite, who, you know, had none of that kind of capacity for warmth within him who was just this kind of straight extremely logical almost to the point of being aggressive um uh, character and i think what enterprise did was it kind of looked at that whole that whole arc of the franchise and said actually let's put a story there you know let's let's examine that let's examine the fact that the, this is this culture that does have this really deep tension within it over over that question of 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 not just kind of how emotional you are 
uh, but sort of how you respond to other people's emotions and how you kind of accept the emotionality of others. Uh, and so I think that, that, that in the end, the, the Vulcan story arc is fantastic. And, and, and you start to see kind of the, the threads of that pull through to tie it back to the conversation we were having before in Fallen Hero, where, you know, you get that kind of very first kind of more sort of later Spock type Vulcan and you go, Oh, now I'm starting to see a familiar Vulcan. Oh, I think this is going somewhere because, you know, that episode did have those kind of undertones to it. And it just leads you on this journey. And it's a very satisfying one with an extremely satisfying ending in the form of the Vulcan trilogy. So that's my pick for, for underrated uh, Dabo round. L- love it. I, and I'll add that in terms of, I, mean, I totally agree with this 100%. I've, it's another one of those things that I always kind of roll my eyes when people criticize the Vulcans portrayal in the especially when they and it's kind of happening now with discovery people criticize it in season one and season two without knowing how it's going to play out and how it's going to end and when you see it as a whole it, even criticizing it without it was silly but when you see it as a whole it's just no question how well it connects and fits into uh to the continuity of of trek especially and like you talk about cold uh kind of distant mean quote-unquote Vulcans. Uh, how about Sarek, uh, Tapau, and T'Pring in the original series? I mean, those Vulcans are not exactly warm and friendly. So nope. It all it all fits perfectly. Dana, what's your take on the Vulcans? I love it. It's, I think, so before, um, I, I rewatched Enterprise for the first time in 15 years, just probably two or three years ago. So I had very little um, memory of Enterprise. And before, I wasn't a big fan of Vulcans, which kind of might make some people like, oh, really? Uh, But I just, I never really connected with them apart from Spock. But after watching Enterprise, I'm like, oh, I I get it. I get why everybody loves the Vulcans. And this, this whole story arc and especially to Paul, I think she was fantastic. And she had those, those levels that Vulcans could have, but never really uh, were shown before because they were kind of portrayed as, as passive aggressive dicks for most of the time. But I, I love it. And I love that three-parter. It's, I think, pr- probably Enterprise's finest story. I think it's so well done. Yeah, I'm a little biased on that one. But I, yep. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I always I always close off that thought by saying uh, I could have been in Precious Cargo. It was just you know, <laughs> luck of the draw. And, uh, <laughs> all right, so I'll hit my Davo round pick. My five words and a hashtag. No patience for natural selection. Hashtag cabals and genetic engineering. And my underrated pick is the Sulaban. I I love the Sulaban. I think they're super effective as a as a foil and a species. So in the same way that you kind of picked the Zindi, uh, Alex, I'm picking the Sulaban. I think they established them really really well early on in Broken Bow, and they continued that story in a really strong way straight through to Stormfront. Just an expert look and creature design. I love the Temporal Cold War, which obviously they're they're a big part of. Silic is a great villain who was uh, played by John Fleck in in uh, a really interesting way. 
And I think my favorite thing about them that gets a little bit lost is this genetic engineering uh, trait. I just think that was a super clever way to introduce a species, which they did right away in Broken Bow when the one guy's climbing under the door. But I just love all those aberrations. And, and I love that Silix Cabal was kind of chasing after them and the future guy was using them as punishment and withholding changes or taking them back if uh, they did something he didn't like. So, you know, they were only, Silvam ran about, I think about 10 episodes, like nine or 10 episodes. So I, I just love, I just love what they brought to the show. I thought it was a really unique, clever alien. Uh, Dana, what's your take on the Suleban? I, yeah, I love this. It's they're I think they're a very underrated villain and people are just kind of like, well, were they really that great? And like, yeah, they, they really were that great. They're, they were scary. I found them pretty scary like with with the thing with like fitting under the door and stuff like they were kind of different from from anything that's been done before and and especially with archer and the crew like they're in space for the first time and suddenly they have to deal with this really they probably were not happy yeah and when you say they're scary every time they showed up it was like they had a little bit more advancement than enterprise so they could they could kind of call the shots and predict every time they showed up you know Enterprise was scrambling, so I, I agree with that. Uh, Alex, how about you? This was definitely on my secondary systems list um, for underrated production design element because uh, I I agree with everything you said. I think you know they are really a, a very underrated um, uh, villain um, uh, with a great makeup design and great motivation and kind of backstory. Um, uh, and it's a shame we didn't get to see more of them in late seasons, especially to figure out sort of what happened with them after the end of the temporal cold war. Yeah. It would have been cool to see a little bit more to, to know kind of what happened. Uh, following Stormfront. All right. Let's go to round two. Most underrated enterprise character. So Dana, what, what's your, what's your pick for that? All right. Summary for my most underrated character is he's dead. I'm sad now. Hashtag it's settled, sir. And of course, it's Major Hayes by Stephen Culp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome pick, and I just feel sad now. <laughs> I, I loved him. He was, I think, had a really, really big presence in season three. And when I looked him up on IMDb, I was actually surprised to find that he was only in five episodes. Yeah, I knew that. We talked about that before. It's yeah. Crazy, right? He, so like, he seems know. like he had a way bigger presence. Yeah. But yeah, it was kind of, season three is one of my favorites. It was the whole heavy military presence on a Starfleet vessel of exploration. I thought it was really, really interesting to have that dynamic there. And he really, like, he personified that kind of conflict between everybody. And it was just, he was basically the muscle, but it worked. And I, I thought he was great. And they really shouldn't have killed him off because it would have been great to have him in season four. Yeah, it, it would have been nice to see more of him, but I always kind of felt like, ah, oh, he's not going to, he's not going to serve. Yeah. And in addition to Major Hayes, it also brought in, I mean, the Makos are just a mm-hmm. great addition that season for everything they brought to the, to the show and unexpectedly to Star Trek Beyond when they, yeah, that was a good tie in there. Them, it was super cool. I love this pick. Stephen Cole's a great actor and, and Major Hayes is a, is a really awesome <laughs> Awesome character. Really impactful for a guy that was just in five episodes. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt that he's not bad looking. So he is a <laughs> got that going. Definitely a handsome dude. <laughs> Alex, what's your take on Major Hayes? 
Uh, love Stephen Culp and everything I've seen him in, uh, including this. Uh, and I did really enjoy the the Hayes kind of read confrontation that took place throughout the season. I thought it kind of delved into some really interesting ideas, not just kind of the interpersonal relationship between the two of them, uh, but some of these ideas about, you know, that never really got explored later on in the series around uh, sort of Starfleet as a military organization versus a kind of exploration organization that does a little bit of sort of military stuff on the side um, and seeing the sort of Starfleet security and the sort of, you know, military group sort of butt heads over procedures and kind of ethos was, was actually really interesting kind of new dynamic to the show that we really had not seen before. Yeah, it's a great point. The, the makeup did kind of add to that military versus exploration conversation too. Super, super cool. Did, did you also love him in Nemesis? Uh, oh yes, yes. <laughs> well, that was a deleted scene, so we'll, <laughs> yes. we'll forget that one exists. <laughs> it was great. It was, it was nice to see him again, though. Uh, yeah, it was. It was cool. All right, Alex, what's your or who is your most underrated Enterprise character? Okay, uh, five words summary. Not all heroes are courageous. Hashtag, we are all Hoshi. My pick for underrated character is Hoshi Sato. Oh, I yes. am so happy you picked Hoshi. Um, I think this character just is amazing. Uh, from this, you know, the second episode of the series, Fight or Flight, where, you know, which is a Hoshi character episode. Uh, throughout the series, Hoshi gets a number of, you know, nice episodes. Um, and has a really nice arc of, you know, this character that also we hadn't really seen before in Star Trek, uh, which is, you know, the character who has a really particular set of skills, but isn't necessarily all that thrilled about being, you know, out in space doing all of this exploration. And I feel like, you know, Hoshi is one of the first kind of real proxies for, you know, frankly, many of the Star Trek fan community, right? Where, you know, a lot of us are very smart people who can, you know, do lots of great things, but also I'm not necessarily sure we're all cut out for, you know, being on the, uh, out on the final frontier. Um, and so to that extent, the character is extremely relatable. Um, uh, and, and, and I thought, you know, was, was really well done and really well portrayed by, by Linda Park. I think, you know, she always did a really good job of bringing out that sort of, this idea that that Hoshi was a character who was not imbued with the natural confidence that a number of the other characters had, that it was something that she really needed to find and kind of did a really nice job of of portraying that development over time as, as she sort of did kind of get more comfortable with the role, but never to the extent that, you know, some of the, uh, some of the other characters um, sort of, you know, were just sort of very gung-ho about it. So I love Hoshi. I love the performance. And, and I think it is really underrated. I, I, I doubt she would make it into many um, folks kind of top five enterprise characters. And I think that might be a mistake. Yeah, I agree. Her story arc is so good from from beginning to the end, and with the, the payoff and the, the observer effect, kind of her, a little bit of her backstory. Love this pick, Dana. What's your take on it? Uh, Hoshi is one of my favorite characters in Enterprise. She's, I think, she's very real, and um, you kind, I kind of see a lot of myself in her at the beginning, especially where she's very nervous about being in space. And think about it, like if I were on the NX-1, I would ha- be having like constant panic attacks. Like, what was that sound? What was that creak? Are we going to explode? So it it was very, I thought she did a very good job about 
kind of growing out of that and then just kicking ass by the end of it, especially when she got um, captured at the end of season three and she was just a total badass there. Oh, totally great in that, in that role. I always loved when they showed her translate and mm-hmm. having to solve the problem. Enterprise did such a good job with that in so many episodes where she had to kind of piece it together. Yeah, how many times has Hoshi saved the day? It's, it's great. Yep, that is a fantastic pick. I, she's for sure underrated. And for my number two pick, I also chose a regular series uh, cast member. Five words and a hashtag. Three wives and a Pyrithian bat. Hashtag optimism captain. And I love flocks. And this might be a pick that's a little bit more in line with Alex's prime directive of, I think he's underrated for the entire uh, world of Star Trek. Uh, he may be less underrated than Enterprise, but this is my, I had a real tough choice. Of this. Hoshi, by the way, was on my secondary systems as, as well as to Paul. And I went with Flux because I just think he's a great character, unique backstory. I love his introduction in Broken Bow when, uh, <laughs> that whole scene in Broken Bow when Archer walks in there. Is this man going to die? Not necessarily. <laughs> He's, it's fantastic. John Billingsley just does a great job uh, imbuing this character with kind of a familiar but also super alien presence. And yeah, I just love the way he was created and structured. And he, so many really strong episode we talked about regeneration that's that's a real strong flocks episode uh dear doctor the breach similitude i love this character and soon we're going to do our top five series doctors so i'm curious to see where he's going to finish on that list for me so uh dana what's your take on flocks i i almost picked flocks actually for my underrated character so he's definitely in my secondary systems but then i decided to go with a non uh main cast member but um, I, I recently came to the conclusion that Dr. Flox is my favorite Star Trek doctor. And I was just like, oh, yeah, of course. It, it was just kind of obvious. And I never really thought about it before. I'm like, he's the best to me. I, I really, really like him. And he's very understated in, in times. And you just kind of you have to take a step back and say, like, oh, he's he's fantastically done. He's fantastically written and he's fantastically acted. And he has some really, really strong episodes throughout the show. And I. I think it goes back to what Alex said that enterprise as a whole is completely underrated. And I think Flox is possibly one of the most underrated people. Yeah, for sure. I should have mentioned the night and sick day too, which, which I'm an apologist for. I know a lot of people, hate <laughs> but I like that one. Alex, what's your quick take on Flox? Well, I'm going to spoil my top five uh, Star Trek Doctors lists and tell you that right now my number one choice for top Star Trek Doctor is Flux. I think the character is fabulous. Um, John Billingsley's performance is also fabulous. I also considered him for a position on this list, but I decided that he was the one character that I liked so much that um, that I, I wasn't sure that it that he necessarily counted as uh, as underrated, um, but a hundred percent fabulous, fabulous pick. The best character in the whole show, the best performance in the whole show. Uh, Flux had uh, so many great episodes and so many great contributions to so many great episodes. And uh, yeah, couldn't couldn't be happier that he made it onto someone's list. Optimism, Captain. All right, we're going to jump into round one. It's what we do on Truck Ranks. It's our most underrated enterprise episode 
And as of now, we have no duplicates, which is not really a huge surprise on this type of show. But we'll see if we have any uh, in round one. It's uh, always possible, but looks like we might uh, get away without hearing the uh, Defiant Torpedoes. All right, Dana, what's your most underrated Enterprise episode? Okay. So my summary for my most underrated Enterprise episode is survival training in the outback, hashtag space lacrosse. And Desert Crossing is my pick. Oh, that is fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> I, I love that episode. It's one of those episodes that you just kind of watch and then you don't think about it. And then you watch it again and you're like, oh my God, yeah, this is fun. It, it's a good Archer and Trip episode. The dynamic between them is great. Just like from the start where Archer guilts Trip into going down and he's like, I really don't want to be in the desert. The outback, it brings back memories. And then they end up having to walk across sand dunes and, and Trip getting heat stroke. And, but for me also, there's one scene where Zabral um, tries to get Archer to help. And he's saying like, you defeated a whole Sulaban army and you're a great warrior. And I think that moment you can kind of see Archer as a character just break. And he's like, I just wanted to explore. And now I'm stuck in all these conflicts and this is not what I thought it was going to be. And you can kind of see that, that internal conflict within him. And it's, it's just really, really well done. Yeah, plus Clancy Brown. Yes. (laughs) That's a great analysis of this episode. It's so underrated. There's so much going on. It's actually, it's exploring. We're we're also going to do top five uh, road trips at some point on uh, Trek Rakes. And I always think of this one as kind of one because you end up with Trip and Archer kind of on the run and and trying to navigate that. And the the effects and everything going on in this episode is just really interesting. It it feels like a movie and it's Mm -hmm. a 43 minute episode. So I love this pick, super underrated. Alex, what's your take? I mean, any episode with Clancy Brown in it has got to be, you know, in somebody's top 10 list somewhere. Ah, the Cascana match is about to begin. I'm hoping you will honor us by participating. Now? I just ate a half a terracac. Uh, you will be glad you did. Gascona requires a great deal of strength. This is a great episode. It's, it's, and it's really fun. I mean, it's, you know, from the, um, from the Gascana match at the beginning of the episode through to, you know, the relationship that Archer and, and, and trip have you know this is kind of one of the first opportunities that these two characters spend any kind of considerable amount of time together uh, and you really do get to kind of appreciate the depth and the longevity of their relationship that that kind of plays out through the whole um of the show i love this episode it's a it's a fabulous fabulous pick and those desert uniforms are pretty are pretty rad mm, yeah. those those are great we should have seen more of those yeah, I love it. That's an awesome pick. Alex, what's your underrated Enterprise episode? Okay, here we go. My uh, five-word summary. Ferengi fun is welcome here. Hashtag it's good, actually. My pick, also from season one, is episode 19, Acquisition. Wow. Wow. Fantastic pick. <laughs> Which I watched just before. Um, we logged on and uh, it confirmed my choice. I actually really like this episode. Same as Desert Crossing. It's a a ton of fun. 
and it has lots of really cool elements in it as well. At the start of the episode, uh, the Ferengi are speaking Ferengi, and the first time they meet when they revive Archer, the two can't understand each other because the Universal Translator hasn't figured out the language yet, uh, showing you know the prequel nature of the show and sort of demonstrating to us how this technology works, which in many of the later shows was just entirely sort of glossed over. The, uh, the energy whips from the last outpost <laughs> make a comeback. Uh, Ethan Phillips, I think, finally nails the Ferengi performance. So good. <laughs> Jeffrey Coombs returns as uh, plays a Ferengi. Actually, really interesting point. Jeffrey Coombs is wearing the Quark makeup, and Ethan Phillips is wearing the Rom makeup. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, which I just, yeah. yeah, I just sussed that out in the episode today. Same nose piece, same head pieces. Um, it, it does kind of fit really well into the sort of enterprise pastiche. I think it's not entirely unreasonable to expect that there would have been sort of Ferengi privateers kind of, you know, roaming around the galaxy looking for profit. Uh, you know, if they Great had... point. Yeah, and if they had become like, you know, a recurring villain throughout the show, then I think maybe some of the arguments about, you know, continuity would have perhaps held up but you know they're a one and done they show up and then they're gone you know as far as the enterprise crew are concerned it's just this sort of odd thing that happens to them that there's no real lasting damage or impact from the relationship oh and who can forget it also has the uh stan lee of the star trek universe clint howard um uh as a ferengi and he does an amazing job as one of those characters this is a fun funny episode that um that gets a lot of criticism because it pulls back you know it, it's it's enterprise reaching into the well of favorite races from previous shows but i don't care about that at all because it's executed really well it's a fun caper heist romp and the performances are fabulous and any episode in which you get ethan phillips jeffrey combs and clint howard together in order to play three ferengi characters that's got to be worth something in somebody's book. And Tripp in his blue underwear. So I won't argue that. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this because this is an awesome pick and you defended it extremely well. Defend is not the right word, but it's because you're so right. It's a lot of times these episodes, it's about the first time and the expectation somebody has when they first see it. So I think the, the reason this episode was kind of maligned is it's the end of season one and you're watching a new Star Trek and you want kind of new explore and here they're going to the Ferengi. And I think that people kind of go, ah, it's too early. And if they do something like that later, they it maybe doesn't get as criticized. But when you look at it 15 years later as a standalone episode, it's like, oh yeah, it's really fun and it makes a lot of sense and it doesn't break any kind of continuity or anything. So I love this pick. It's spectacular. By the way, it is number 89 at Trek Race. <laughs> <laughs> Something's got to be down that low. So it doesn't mean anything. So it's one behind Fallen Hero. <laughs> Fantastic pick. And I love your point that uh, it makes sense that they would run into some kind of pranking privateers out there. Fantastic. You've reconsidered. I'll show you where the vault is. If you let me keep half the gold. Gold pressed platinum. Gold bars. Hundreds of them. But I keep half. Ten percent. 
40. 15. 35. And not a bar less. You'll never find the vault without my help. 20% final offer. No deal. Uh, Dana, what's your take on acquisitions? This one was actually my secondary systems. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, we, we had some almost duplicates, but I, I love it. It's so fun. It, it, it did work with the, the continuity and they didn't mess up canon or anything. And at the end of the episode, they just, they had no clue who the hell these people were and they just went on their way. And, and then we meet them again in next generation. And it, it's just, it's just fun. Like it's not a, one of those stellar episodes that make you think it's just good, solid entertainment for a good 45 minutes. And I, I love it. I rewatch it often. It's great. And Jeffrey Combs as well. You can't go wrong with him. He's one of my favorite actors. So there's that. He's, of course, the, the dean of uh, recurring Star Trek actors, which is also going to be another Trek ranks episode at some point. Oh, please <laughs> sign me up for that one. All right. Or, or anything Jeffrey Combs, sign me up. I love it. Well, let's uh, let's finish off with my round one pick, and we have a season one trifecta. I love this. So my five words and a hashtag: trip and to pull relationship sparks. Hashtag and one glorious piece of pecan pie, and it is breaking the ice. Season one, episode eight. And this is another one of these episodes that's grown on me over the years. I, I love all the different stories it tells, but all kind of as one big integration that just feels like just a, like a natural slice of life on board the Enterprise. It's, it's perfect. It's about, I said, it's eight episodes in, into Enterprise. And, and the stories that are happening here are the Enterprise finds a comet. And so there's some fun exploring and some action that ensues from that. You've got Archer dealing with uh, his Vulcan issues and this uh, Captain Bannock that shows up on the, the ship just to kind of spy on him. And, and and I think this is the episode where she really, for the first time, you see T'Pol starting to commit herself to the crew and the ship by, well, she, I mean, one thing, she denies her arranged marriage to Koss, which eventually will will come back into play. And it's all punctuated for me. One of the great, just one of the great little tiny moments in, in Enterprise. Earlier in, this, in the episode, Trip's trying to offer her a pecan pie and says it uh, may not be good for the body, but it's great for the soul. And at the very end, when she's realized she's staying on the ship, the last shot is of her in her quarters with a piece of pecan pie that she's going to indulge on. Such a great moment. It's really, this is such an underrated uh, uh, episode. It, it has, has it all. Uh, Alex, what's your take on Breaking the Ice? I love this episode. I really like the way that the, I really like the fact that the stakes aren't very high. And obviously there's the little right. bit of, you know, sort of danger at the end when the shuttle falls into the comet uh, ravine and they have to try and get it out. Um, but apart from that, I mean, it just, it, it, it's such a great character episode. And I think the other thing too about it is that it sort of demonstrates the way that Enterprise could be different from the other shows because in what other show are they going to hang out around a comet for an episode, just kind of, you know, studying it because it's, it's just a comet, right? By the 24th century, unless the comet has some kind of alien a uh, museum that will transform your ship into an ancient city uh, hidden inside of it. You know, it's like, oh, it's just another <laughs> comment. We'll move on from it. Right. Um, but the fact that there's sort of a, a level of, of, of wonder associated with 
with just studying this one pretty common celestial object is, I think, a really fabulous piece of the episode and also kind of, you know, makes, again, Enterprise more relatable because what are we doing right now? We are sending probes out to various asteroids and comets around the the solar system to try and study them because we find them to be really interesting. So it's a nice little kind of connection between 21st century humanity and 22nd century humanity. Yeah, you, and you said wonder, and that's exactly they're they're all excited because they think it's the they think it's the biggest comet that anyone's ever uh, discovered at this point. Uh, Dana, this episode is great. Again, it's like it's a good exploration episode where everybody's wide-eyed and optimistic and everything's new and fancy and they're yeah. like let's explore but uh for me the the interaction between malcolm and travis is is my oh. favorite part because we actually don't get much of that throughout the series and this is off the top of my head one of the only episodes where they're really the only two people in the scene together and it was just it was nice to see those two interact and kind of get through that shuttle uh crisis together and i I really love that part yeah the the vulcan snowman is another highlight yes (laughs) and then of course uh malcolm blows a hole in the crater and he's like "Ah, i want it to be more symmetrical because he loves blowing stuff (laughs) and i forgot because alex you were saying this is also the episode where if you talk about connecting it to today and this is where they're answering the school letters to, uh, yes, to the class. that's right. And they're all kind of going through it and Trip has to answer the poop question. Yes. <laughs> this episode literally has it all. I, I love it and I think it's immensely underrated. All right, let's uh, let's rattle off a few secondary systems picks. Alex, what do you what do you got on uh, on your list? Anything? I have four. Uh, I think the temporal cold war, very underrated story arc that ran throughout the show. Yep. You know, sort of a nice way of kind of tying in the wider Star Trek franchise history uh, with what was happening uh, in Enterprise. Um, to go back to your Sulevan example, John Fleck uh, as an underrated performer yep. provides a fabulous uh, performance as Silic. Uh, Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral Forrest, uh, sort of the first good morale uh, long term that you you know you had throughout the show. Um, uh, I guess Ross, you could make the argument for as well, but just a really great character. So nice to see you know such a, a strong utility player for the Star Trek franchise get a, a a role like that that really kind of you know helped uh, elevate him and cement his position uh, in the Star Trek franchise and then the episode that nearly made my underrated episode list because I do think it's underrated but I don't think it's an underrated enterprise episode I think it's an underrated franchise episode is these are the voyages which is why it did not make my list because it's not, I don't. I think it is a bad Enterprise episode, but I think it is a really underrated episode of Star Trek. Yep. Yeah, I love that. Great list, Dana. How about you? Any Any you want to highlight? Uh, so I I decided not to go with Jeffrey Combs for my underrated performer because generally when you think of Enterprise, people are like he's the best part. Yeah. But I think he's an underrated actor in general outside of mm. Star Trek. But uh, so. He is fantastic and has, I think, the most intense performances ever that you'll ever see. That's um, two you owe me! <laughs> exactly, yeah. So um, another one is um, Malcolm's so- Section 31 story arc. Oh, yeah. I, I love that. I thought it it worked really, really well. And it, it's 
I've seen a lot of people say they don't like it, which uh, surprised me because it was one of my favorite parts of season four. Um, I, yeah, I thought it, it worked perfectly with Malcolm. And um, again, these are the voyages. I, I almost picked that for my episode, but um, I decided I liked the space lacrosse episode a bit better. Uh, but <laughs> it, it's a good episode when you don't watch it as the finale of Enterprise. Yeah, that's yeah. that's how I look at it. I think it's a really good idea and a really good concept. It's just not good at the end of the show. And I think our uh, good friend Bill Mann, when he does his Trek rewatch, he places these are the voyages after the Pegasus and watches it as part of the next generation rather than watching mm-hmm. it as the last episode of Enterprise. That's a good idea. Yeah, Bill does do that. And it's brilliant. That's a great call. All right. I'm just going to rattle off a few. Some that were mentioned. I. I picked the Suleiman, but I also just wanted to highlight the overall creature design for the series was fantastic. Alex, you mentioned the Zindi, but also I love the Andorians with the antenna being uh, controlled remotely and the filthy Tellarites. Everything was just great uh, on that front. I also wanted to highlight Randy Oglesby as Degra for a performer. He was fantastic. And Kara Zedeker as Tapau is one of my favorites. And for character crewman Elizabeth Cutler. Mm-hmm. And she brought a lot in three episodes. I mean, people talk about her all the time. And she really had a great, again, connection to, to, to where we are now, as opposed to 100 years after. She was a great uh, character. And just a couple other episodes I'll highlight are one of my, uh, well, I've got Stormfront, the Zindi, and North Star. And then one that I am really close to picking because I just, love how this feels like a TOS episode. I watch it a lot. It's one of my favorites to just kind of go to. And it's Civilization. I just think it's so underrated with them going down to that planet and helping the the apothecary solve a little problem there. So one of of my favorites. I I really connect with that episode for some reason. All right. Awesome job, guys. I I knew this topic would be uh, really help us, really get us to unearth some some great deep cut picks and, you know, talk about some moments of Trek that uh, we haven't really highlighted before on the show. So soon we'll be doing our TNG underrated and DS9 underrated and Voyager underrated as well, because I love this topic. All right, let's wrap this up by getting into our regeneration cycle and going through a recap of our picks. Computer, activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. Okay, Dana, let's uh, start with you. Why don't you go through uh, your five picks? All right. For round five in underrated product design elements, I have the regeneration score. Round four, enterprise underrated performer actor. I have Fanula Flanagan as Valar in Fallen Hero. Round three, the Daba round. I have season one as a whole. Round two, underrated character, the lovely Major Hayes. And round one, most underrated. Enterprise episode is Desert Crossing. Not gonna, not gonna sing it again. I uh, taking everything I can not to. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> All right, Alex, how about your picks? <laughs> underrated production design, the Zindi design and makeup for underrated performer uh, Scott Bakler as Captain Jonathan Archer. For the Dabo round, I picked the Vulcan story arc. Uh, underrated character, I picked Hoshi Sato. And for underrated episode, season one, episode 19, Acquisition. 
Fantastic list. I love it. And for me, my round five was the NX01 uh, design. Round four was Alec Newman as Malik in the Augments arc of season four. My round three double round pick was the Sulaban and everything they brought to the series. Round two, my underrated character was Dr. Flox, created by John Billingsley. And my most underrated episode was Breaking the Ice, also from season one. So a few statistics. I don't have too many here, but I'll say out of the 15 picks, well, first we had no duplicates. We had seven that were kind of all-encompassing that, that kind of touched on uh, season one through four. And then for season-specific picks, there was one for season four, one for season three, one for season two, and five for season one. So I think uh, season one is standing tall as an underrated season of Star Trek. Love it. All right. As we do every week, we've once again entered a temporal causality loop. So before we can depart, it's time to hear from you. Enterprise has been caught up in a temporal causality loop, and I suspect that something similar may have happened to you. And for this week's temporal causality loop, we're going to go back to episode 43 in our top five bottle shows, which was such, such a fun topic. So remember, a bottle show is a budget-conscious show that is shot on standing sets with minimal guest cast and minimal visual effects. So first up, we had a full five words and a hashtag from Dr. Jen H, who is at Dr. Jen Rose on Twitter. She had a great list. I'm not going to read them all, but she had you are my sunshine hashtag assimilate me for someone to watch over me. I love that. She had for observer effect, a limited number of outcomes hashtag humans may surprise us. And I, I really like that because every other hashtag for observer effect was Someone always dies. <laughs> so that was uh, a great pick. For She picked DS9's The Wire and her five words in a hashtag, Dear Doctor, They're All True, hashtag, Especially the Lies. Fantastic. And then, I actually, I'm all, I am going to read them all because they're so great. Her number two was Shuttlepod 1, and her five words was Fixing the Pod with Mash. I love that. And her hashtag was stinky, which again, <laughs> and then her number one, which is a really popular bottle show episode. Remember me disappearing into the warp bubble. If there's nothing wrong with me, was her hashtag. I love that episode. As you can tell by my Twitter handle. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, static warp bubble. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, that was a really, really good, uh, five words of hashtag list. We also had one, uh, List coming from Carl Wonders at Listening to Film. He had a great pick that I wanted to relay. He picked the Doomsday Machine, which was on my secondary system. I love that as a, as a bottle show. And there's five words and a hashtag. Reused sets and kit bashing. Hashtag Vulcans never bluff. And Chris at Shelf Nerds had a really great outside the box pick that I don't think came up on our episode from Voyager. Was a latent image as a bottle show. And that was a really, that's pretty, uh, pretty original pick. Love that. So once again, those picks are good enough to clear ourselves from this week's temporal causality loop. So as always, I want to thank everyone for all the great responses to all of our topics here on Trek Ranks. 
please keep your list coming to me at Trek Ranks on Twitter so we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of top five enterprise underrated or any list from any of our past shows and give us a call at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527 at 609-512-LLAP. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks, we have a great topic to explore, but we aren't going to tell you what it is yet. Because if you notice the episode number on this particular show, then you know we have a special episode in store for you next time. It will be Trek Ranks episode number 47. So I can't wait to reveal to everyone what we plan there. It'll be something very different. So Dan and Alex, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you guys in suspense as well. Well, actually, not you, Alex, because <laughs> you're joining us for that show. <laughs> Along with our friends Carlos Miranda and Jen Tift. Uh, who have been on the show a few times. So I can't wait to do that one. It's going to be great. All right. Uh, I guess that's it then. We're going to wrap it up. So a huge thanks to Dana Kennedy and Alex Perry. Man, we love some enterprise, I think, the three of us, because that was fantastic. I hope you guys had fun. Hell yeah. I had a great time. Thank you for a great first podcast experience. Ah, I love it. First of many. We are definitely going to get you back on. Great job. I mean, really good. Appreciate you guys coming on. All right. I just want to thank everyone for engaging with us again here on episode 46 of the Trek Ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. Excuse me. Is this man dead? His autonomic system was disrupted by the blast, but his redundant neural functions are still... Is he going to die? Not necessarily. Hi there, thanks again for listening. If you're cruising the galaxy looking for even more Trek talk, why not visit our good friends Bill and Dan over at TrekGeeks.com? They've got a great podcast that covers a wide range of Star Trek topics, so you're sure to find something you'll love. And if you're in the mood for some awesome tunes, then you really need to head over to 5yearmission.net. The guys are writing a song for every episode of the original series, and each one is absolutely brilliant. So that's TrekGeeks.com and 5yearmission.net. Check them out today. When you flush the toilet, where does it go? That sounds like an engineering question. So we'll ask Commander Charles Tucker, our chief engineer. Trip? Pause it, will you? A poop question, sir? Can I talk about the warp reactor or the transporter? It's a perfectly valid question. First thing you've got to understand is we recycle pretty much everything on a starship. Uh, that includes waste. Uh, the first thing that happens to the waste is it gets processed through a machine called a biomatter resequencer. Then it gets broken down into... Hold on. They're going to think I'm the sanitation engineer. 
You're doing fine. 